Welcome to the Shooting the Cue podcast, presented by Heat Riles Barbecue, with tips, tricks, and an inside look with some of the top pitmasters in the game. Now here's your host, Heath Riles. All right, everybody, we're back on Shooting the Cue, and we're joined today, of course, by my lovely wife, Candace, and our special guest today is Matt Grork from Grork Boys Barbecue. How are you doing today, Matt? Doing good, Heath. Living the dream, man. Here at school, just finished up the school day, so yeah. Looking forward to this and then, uh, you know, head home tonight and figure out what I'm cooking. Nothing wrong with that. So do you cook at home every night? Yeah, typically I'm either cooking for content, you know, which, I mean, you know how that goes. Or, uh, you know, I have two boys at home. They're nine and seven. So uh, my wife as well. So we, we typically almost every night find ourselves all in the kitchen together, you know, whether whether she, she usually is holding down the kitchen and I'm in the backyard cooking whatever proteins uh, me and the boys are going to eat, you know, because she's she handles all the veg, the veg stuff inside. <laughs> well, nothing wrong with that. So for everybody that don't know you, I guess I kind of skipped around. Why don't you tell everybody kind of who you are and how you got started? Yeah, my name's is Matt Grork, uh, owner uh, of Grork Boys Barbecue. Um, I am now in my 21st year uh teaching i'm a high school teacher uh have been for for 20 years now this is year 21 so it's crazy how fast it's all gone i teach health and phys ed um done that for 20 years and uh this year is my first year actually switching from health and phys ed to now being a culinary teacher which uh my district asked me about a month ago if i would be willing to come in and teach culinary. Uh, we had a resignation pretty late in the summer, so they were scrambling to either find a teacher or cut part of the program, which you know they didn't want to do from a district level. So um, bringing me in, you know, having the opportunity to do what I pretty much do every day, um, I think I might be most excited just to learn some new stuff. You know, this is kind of outside my comfort zone. Um, so, you know, as far as the food stuff and actually teaching it in an educational setting and not in my backyard on TikTok or social media. So, but I think there's a way I could kind of combine the two. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, say back in 2018, I started my business, um, Work Boys Barbecue. I was catering and doing events and stuff like that. Uh, that really started in, I'd say, 2015, 16. I kind of caught the bug in my backyard and like so many of us just kind of discovered how peaceful and uh, calming it is to, to wake up at 5 a.m. and start a fire and, and babysit it. And, you know, that's what really hooked me. Um, you know, I, I'd been for years, way back to like 2003, um, really comfortable behind the grill and stuff. But that was really born from tailgating. Uh, in parking lots, you know, Philadelphia Eagles football fan here, three and oh, by the way. So I'll throw that out there for, for any, uh, that was a good game last night. Cap. Yeah, it was a good one. It was a good one. They scare me, man. They start off slow and, <laughs> but that defense is dominant and we got a bunch of Georgia boys, uh, holding down the, the offensive and defensive line. So it's pretty sweet. Um, but that's how it started really was the the tailgating we were eagles season ticket holders for for a couple decades me my dad and my two brothers and um whenever we would go to home games in philly i kind of took charge of the food you know i would prep i would pack the cooler 
Um, I would set the menu for the day. Um, and that's kind of how we rolled with it. My dad and my brother made sure we were always well hydrated throughout the day. Uh, and those are the roles we kind of took on. So aside from being in the restaurant business, waiting tables my whole life, and then, you know, the tailgating thing. Um, and then once smoke and barbecue got involved, uh, that just hooked me, man. And I, I discovered this whole new kind of passion that, you know, I didn't really know I had. And, uh, it all started with a little 36 inch propane master built smoker um, that my father-in-law gave me because he bought it on Amazon and never took it out of the box. So, uh, yeah, it's it's fast forward to now and it's still I, I kind of pinch myself sitting where I'm at and, and being able to do what I do. Uh, so but I think it's a story that a lot of us share, you know. Yeah, it's definitely um it's weird how you find your way into barbecue. It really is. Uh, for me, I was in high school and a senior, my best friend at the time, his uncle cooked in KCBS contests and his, and uncle Don got a divorce. Well, we all thought, well, uncle Don's the coolest dude. We know we're going to hang out with uncle Don, you know, and <laughs> us being seniors in high school, you know, and single divorce man, you know, you know how that is. He always had cold beer. And so we were always going to be around. And that kind of is what yep. got us started. And after we barred a grill from him and cooked one event after we cooked with him a few times, and it was – I've been cooking ever since. It's kind of really strange. That's it. And, I mean, I got into it quite a bit later. Um, you know, I, I think a lot of people discovered this passion for it, you know, during that big hit of social media presence during COVID, you know. Um, when everybody was shut down in their house. And I, I started a little bit earlier than that. I was like 2018 was, um, you know, my first TikTok post was was in December of 2018, which is a solid two years before most people even knew it existed. Uh, so you want to talk about catching, you know, catching the jump on on people and being able to kind of take advantage of it early on before the platform gets really flooded. And, uh, that's what I had the opportunity to do. So, but I was well into my late, I was into my late thirties, you know, I'm 45 now. So this is definitely a, a, a part-time hustle that has turned into a full-time gig and lifelong passion. And, uh, it all happened a lot later on than, than most people find their passion, you know? Well, they always say that you really don't start progressing in life until you really reach your later 30s and, and maybe 40s. There's only a small percentage of people that really find that in their 20s. Um, and I think it's got a lot to do with just maturity levels and uh, and really understanding, you know, hey, if, if I don't get out here and do this hustle, my family is going to be the only one that uh, is left out in the end. You know, I think when you're 20s, yep. you're really not worried about that so much. So, so how did you get from the tailgating to the teaching on social media to ending up on Next Level Chef? Tell us about that road, how you got there. Yeah, so I was, um, you know, I started out posting on social media and it was between 2018 and probably 2021, you know, over that three year period is when I really blew up on social media and got into the millions, you know, 
And then once that happened, um, it kind of, you know, you start dealing with, with brands reaching out and all that kind of stuff. I, I'd say early on, uh, you know, 2018, 19, 20, it was Instagram and social media and like creators, especially food creators. Um, a lot of it seemed like work for, pro you know, post for product, I think is where a lot of us started. And it was crazy because I remember when I first, that first like DM I got from a, from a knife company, you know, saying, Hey, we'll send you a free knife if you use it in one of your videos. And I was like, what? Like, are you kidding me? I get a free knife. Like, this is awesome. And I'm like freaking out. And that was, that's all it took, you know, to really like, in my mind, you know, my, my brain works just nonstop in terms of this stuff. And it was from that point on, I was like, even though it was just a knife, that knife symbolized like an opportunity to continue to grow. And eventually, you know, as things started to progress and you realize that there's money to be made through this, um, in addition to putting your content out there that you love. Um, I, I had always said like my wife, as much as she would tell me, like, put your phone down, Matt, put your phone down, Matt. I always told her like, this is going to pay, like, this is how to put my phone up to her. And I go, this is going to pay the bills one day, babe. And I, I, I would say that to her, uh, quite a bit. And she would laugh at me. And here we are seven years later. And, you know, it's, it, I mean, the, the proof is in the pudding, right? When you put your mind to something and you're willing to dedicate that time and you believe in what you're doing. And I believe in, you know, whether you want to be in the kitchen or cooking all the time. I told my students here this first week of school, um, you know, food is one of those universal languages, you know, like it's like love is universal, right? I think food is the same. So whether you want to cook or want to be in the culinary industry, everyone has been impacted by food um, in one way or another. And uh, that's kind of what I discovered through this whole social media growth and the relationships made. And the fact I'm sitting here on a podcast that, you know, with someone that when I started this whole journey was one of the people that I was watching to learn from, you know, in you, Heath, and like, it's, it's all surreal. That. So, you know, to, to take that and then turn it into more, um, that's how I, that's what I think I kept doing. I just kept sticking with it and kept growing and then the social media turned into brand opportunities. And then before I know it, I have to hire someone to handle all that part of it because I don't want to do that. I don't want to talk contracts and money and all that stuff. It's awkward and uncomfortable for me. Um, and then opportunities to be on a show. You know, I've I've had the opportunity to be on shows before but I've never really taken them very seriously because I teach September through June and uh, my family and kids at home. I never imagined that I could just go to my school district and be like, Hey, I'm going to, um, I'm going to go to X, Y, Z for a month and film a show. And they'd be like, okay, we'll see you in a month when you get back. I just never thought of that. So when this opportunity came up, I was like, I, I told my wife about it and she um she was like, It's Gordon, it's Gordon Ramsey. She said, You have to you have to give it a chance. You have to go do it. I'm sorry, I gotta go get a charger from my phone. Um 
And she's like, you got to do it. So I went ahead and I went through the application process and I did all that. And I had some amazing support throughout it. I came to my school district. I went right to the superintendent and told them about the opportunity. They were super supportive about it. They said, go ahead and do it. They gave me the time paid off that I needed um, in order to do it. And I mean, the rest was history. Next thing I know, I was on a plane heading to Gordon Ramsay Studios to film, you know, <laughs> to film Next Level Chef. And here I am, a school teacher and backyard barbecue guy, heading out to compete against like professional chefs, which was just insane to me. So, um, yeah, it, it was all of all a whirlwind, you know. How was it working with Gordon Ramsay? Is it as bad as like what the internet would think it would be, or is he really a down to earth kind of guy? <laughs> he was, he was super laid back. Um, you know, super laid back is going to be nice and quiet in my car. I actually like this better. Um, he was super laid back. And on top of that, like I didn't really get a huge opportunity to work hand in hand with him because I wasn't on his team. So I didn't get the regular interaction with him like day to day. But we saw him. I saw him every day every day on set when he went through the judging and all that kind of stuff. And, um, you know, had the chance a couple times during the elimination. My one best memory with him was uh, during one of the elimination cooks. I believe it was the first one. My teammate, Kamalia, she uh, was in the elimination and she ended up going home that day but I remember there was a point where Gordon walked up like right behind me and he was asking like what do you how do you think she's gonna make out it was a steak challenge so he came up to me and said yo you're the steak guy you're the meat guy what do you think she needs to do and I remember turning and looking up and realizing how big of a figure Gordon Ramsay is and I, I feel like I'm a pretty big sturdy guy like I'm six foot 225 pounds like I was looking up at him. He's got to be like six, two. And on top of that, just broad, man, big, broad chested guy. But this show was a mentorship show, right? Next Level Chef is about bringing together and coaching um, home cooks, social media cooks and professional cooks and pitting them against each other um, to prove that we can hang with professionals. And uh, he really takes on that role as a mentor, as opposed to someone who is yelling and screaming in your face and throwing plates, like what he made his money on with Hell's Kitchen. You know, there really wasn't any yelling and screaming outside of, you know, just telling you your food was bad. He did do that. Like during the judging, if your food sucked, he told you, you know, there was no mincing any words. When I got eliminated, he told me that my my plate looked like it was my dish looked like it was plated by an eight year old. <laughs> but there was one point where he I think it was a veal chop. He told you that it was delicious, correct? One of your. So that how did was that feel having no somebody like him tell you that one, yep. something you created was delicious? Yeah. And that was episode number one, um, which was incredible. Very surreal. 
I won the best dish for my team, made a veal chop, which I knew I could nail. That's why I grabbed it. And uh, to have him say how delicious it was and that I know how to nail my meat was was the phrase he used and then called it very chefy. I was like, all right, I'm good. Send me home. I'm out. I got a compliment from Ramsey. I can go, I can walk away from this and be happy with the time I spent here. And uh, sure enough, seven episodes later, uh, when I went home, um, man, it couldn't have been more grateful for that opportunity. And, you know, that last episode, it was like a crash and burn, but I leaned into it. It was like a snowball. Everything just kept getting worse. <laughs> it was so bad. So but you said it was that the most you... fun. You said you grabbed the veal chop because you were so comfortable with that. Were there was there yep. anything during the other episodes that you, you know, that you had to cook that you just felt super uncomfortable with that you had never really dealt with before? So when we did the Chinese challenge, um, we had to we had to do a Chinese dish, and I was in the basement. Um, I felt pretty good about making a Chinese inspired dish about making a fried rice or a noodle dish or a broth of some sort. Like I felt confident with that, but I was in the basement. So grabbing a protein, like, you know, maybe a pork belly or something like that. That's in my, in my lane. Um, it didn't really happen. I ended up getting cod cheeks, which, which I know are delicious and can be great, but I've never, ever made them. I don't have a ton of experience with fish um, outside of like smoked salmon, you know, which is incredible. Um, the white, delicate, flaky fish, I can make it, but I usually do it in my kitchen and it's pretty simple. But to make cod cheeks, I had no clue. So I like steamed them, seasoned them and steamed them and tried to make a fried rice with cod cheeks and I was completely out of my comfort zone. So, I mean, that was probably the most difficult of the entire, you know, time there was that Chinese dish. And I know I didn't do well with it. So have you had cod cheeks again since you left there? <laughs> no, no, I haven't. <laughs> well, I probably should Heath. You might be onto something. I could probably, go back and edit one of those clips together and like redeem myself, you know? Um, Cause that was a pretty bad, that was a pretty bad episode, but I'll tell you, there was always when I, when I did bad or really when anyone does bad in these, it's always one ingredient that throws you off. And even though the cod cheeks threw me off, I did a few other things that just compounded the problem. Like I thought it would be cool to tie in the fact that my wife's a vegetarian um, and the fact I've cooked tofu before, you know, and I'm pretty good with tofu and kind of building flavor into it because I cook it for my wife and she does a lot. Um, so I grabbed tofu during that challenge too. So I mixed in some tofu with the cod cheeks, which Blaze and Gordon didn't really like. Um, and I also got this XO sauce. I got XO sauce, which I'd never no clue what it was but apparently it's like a spicy uh fermented fish sauce 
like with fermented fish in it. And I had no idea what to do with it. I put too much in it. Um, so yeah, that was a bad episode, but fortunately my dish wasn't the worst one. So, uh, that's the nice thing about these shows is you can get saved because someone messes up worse than you do. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the same way in barbecue contests. Believe me. <laughs> You're right. So, do you have another question? Uh, I was just going to say, so in for your elimination round, you did a dish with lobster. You feel comfortable with lobster before that? You just, I, I know you were saying a few minutes ago that he told you it looked like it had been plated by an eight-year-old. Is there anything that you would go back and do differently, or do you feel like it was just your plating that that episode or that round? So my my... The comment where he told me I plated it like an eight-year-old was uh, was the the dish that got me into the elimination. I'm sorry. Okay. So it was so it was a whole codfish, again with the cod. Like <laughs> it was a whole cod. The thing was it was a monster. This thing was like 40 pounds, and my team we had to fillet it and and portion it for each other. And my team, for whatever reason, no one was stepping up to like fillet this fish. Um, the upper level took a took a whole salmon. The bottom level had uh, had another fish that I actually wanted. I can't remember what it was, but um, we got stuck with the cod, and then I had to fillet it, and I butchered that thing like it was a brisket. Like <laughs> at at one point. At one point, Blaze told me to like take it easy and be gentle because I was like, I was like hacking at that thing, man. Like it was beef. He was like, it's not beef, Matt. It's not beef. You got to be gentle. Um, but the codfish was tough. The skin was tough. Um, so that's the dish he told me gotcha. was plated terribly. Um, in addition to just not being a good tasting dish, but the lobster. I was ecstatic when I found out that my elimination dish was going to be the lobster um, because I am confident with lobster. I have smoked it. I have grilled it. Um, I've done it indirect. I've done it direct over a flame. I've split the tail. I've done a whole tail. I've chopped it and just used lobster meat. So I had a bunch of opportunities to like do different things with it. I do wish I went a little bit more out of the box i made like a tomato basil like lobster linguine um it got great reviews uh you know they said that neither of us deserved to go home based on the dish we cooked said that it might have been my best dish of the entire competition um so that was all great to hear but the kid preston 19 year old who i was against he made fresh pasta by hand so I took mine. It was packaged pasta. Like, how do I compete with that? Um, I think my lobster was cooked better. I think my flavors were all there. But how do you how do you beat someone who's making handmade pasta in 30 minutes? That's and crazy. and not only that, but making like a ravioli. I think he made like a some sort of stuffed ravioli with it. So the kid's wow. a rock star. And I told Gordon and them at the end, I said, you know what? I'm fine going home. This kid's 19 years old. He's like got his whole life ahead of him. I'm doing pretty well. I'm happy. And, uh, you know, at least this way, 
I'm going to have a free seat at some Michelin star restaurant one day when Preston owns one, because I'm sure he's going to, if he's doing this at 19. It's amazing how some of these kids, uh, are learning at such a young age to be such a quality inspired. I'm going to go ahead and call him a chef. Uh, yeah. Oh, of course. I mean, it, it's amazing. I don't have that determination in me. I'm a backyard barbecue guy. Yeah. I took it to the comp circuit and I understand flavors and tenderness and all that, but I just like having fun and throwing stuff together. I, I'll just go raid the pantry and just I'll throw something together. And it yeah, might not taste I'm any good to somebody that. else, but it's good to me. And that's just the style of cooking I like doing. I mean, this kid, talk about impressive, man. I mean, he he won the world championships of food um, down in Texas in 2022 before or 21 before we went on the show. Um, so he's like a world champion cook. Uh, you know, just, man, kid's a stud. I wanted to send his ass home. I'm not going to, you know, try to say like, you know, I mean, good for him, but in the moment I wanted his ass going home and like going back to school or something so that I could stay. But, uh, you know, when the decision was made, I was the first one in the elimination to take it to a tiebreaker too. Um, which was pretty cool. Seven episodes in and I had the judges split and Naisha had to make the deciding vote and she voted, um, against me. So, uh, there's a little bit of pride there knowing that I made it a split decision against a 19 year old kid. Who's, you know, pretty much a full blown chef. That's always a good pat on the back when you can do something <laughs> like that. Not you too know bad. That, did you have any more questions about next level chef? Well, I have, I guess I kind of heard about the whole Embers TV thing when we yep. were in Key West. Um, and so do you, man, what a friggin' us? good time that was. Let me cut you <laughs> off there. Good Lord. That looked like fun. It was insane. Maybe we can get you down oh, there next well, year. I would love to, man. Hit me up. I would be there in a heartbeat. You know, when you finally give teaching up, a lot of that kind of stuff starts happening regular. <laughs> I'm in. I love it. <laughs> well, you probably don't have a what? Maybe four more years after this year? You're going to go 25? Yep, I'm going to go 25. That's the plan. So unless my wife wants to jump back in the pot and get back into teaching – um, she was, she had taught for, for 11 years and then got into the administrative side of things for about seven years. And she was a principal of an elementary school, um, during COVID and it just got to be way too much. She was getting taken away from home too much. She wasn't getting a chance to be with the boys and be the mom and, and, and everything that she wanted to be. So we had a couple, you know, a couple moments where she came home, like, babe, I don't think I can do this anymore. And I was like, ha ha, funny. You're the principal. You're making more money than me. I'm going to quit and do this full time. You keep, you know, you keep us, you know, rolling with the benefits and all that, but it just got to be too much. And she let me put my foot on the gas pedal and kind of do everything that I've been doing. And she's been home with the kids. And as you know, um, you know, there's no us without them. So, uh, she's, she's been able to be such a huge support and, uh, you know, at the end of the day is the reason it all works. Yeah, I know exactly. And I know how that is. 
Yeah. Uh, too. I wouldn't be where I am today without her over here for sure because she's helped yep. me in more ways than one. Well, we're truth. talking about the Inverse TV show. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that and kind of how it got started and, and what the purpose of it is and how y'all are going to approach things? Yeah, for sure. So um, I'd say it's been the better part of a year that we've been working on this as a, as a team. And, uh, you know, if you've seen, we have some of the heaviest hitters on social media and in barbecue and offset smoking and open fire, um, you know, in personalities that are hosts and, you know, someone like Tone Ramirez, Tone TFTI, who's bringing creators into their backyards and doing kind of tours, you know, is really cool. Something that you don't see. Uh, but we're, we're, we're building, uh, a platform that is going to be, that is the first, uh, streaming app for everything, barbecue, grilling and open fire cooking, um, brought right to your, right to your screen, right to your TV, right to your phone or tablet. Um, just like Disney or Hulu or Netflix, you want barbecue, you want grilling, you want open fire. It's all right there. And, uh, with the team we have, you know, Jeremy Yoder, just a powerhouse on YouTube, um, such a dedicated following. And the guy is, you know, again, he's another one that the first time we finally met, I was like fangirling because I was watching his stuff, just like I said with you, way back when I first started this whole thing and was learning um, part of my education in at YouTube university, you know, is watching all you guys do what you've done your whole life. And to be able to be partnered with someone like him, um, I mentioned tone TFTI and the following he has, and he's your, he's your classic backyard dad, husband, um, a lot like myself, but he's West coast. I'm East coast. Right. And I think we bring those kind of attitudes to everything too. Um, Al Fragoni, which, which I know everybody knows just the man when it comes to open fire, asado, Argentinian style cooking, um, Carlos Bradley, smoke and vine, um, Marco, wood fire and whiskey, just guys that have all been doing this social media thing and have all been extremely successful with it. Uh, both of them, a lot of pellet grilling. Um, so to bring that group in, um, we have a little bit of everything. And then, um, uh, Chud's barbecue, another offset, you know, traditional style Texas barbecue guy who's worked at Leroy and Lewis and all these huge barbecue restaurants across the country. And we just put together an incredibly talented group of people. And, um, I think the biggest thing I've, I've gotten from it so far in terms of feedback, um, for one, it's been a great first couple weeks, um, and we're just getting started with releasing content. We'll be releasing new content every week, but you know, I, I always try to look at what's the what. Why are people questioning it as to whether we're going to succeed or not? And um, I think a lot of people are thinking like, why would I subscribe to a platform like this when I could just watch YouTube? or watch Instagram and get, you know, I could type how to, how to cook a pulled pork on, on YouTube and get a hundred different ways to cook a pulled pork. And that's great. But on Embers TV, it's not, 
we're not just a tutorial app. We're not just a recipe app or a platform where you're just going to get recipes. Um, our guys, Embers TV, was at the Windy City Smokeout, and we were cruising around doing our podcast there, interviewing some of the best pitmasters across the country. Um, you know, being able to go to Key West and do something like that, bring viewers right there and, and be able to talk to people like you and Mel, um, you know, and everybody that's doing that and just bring content for people who love barbecue and love what we do and give them content that they can't get on YouTube. They can't get anywhere else. So a huge part of our platform that I want to push the most is the fact that it's not just recipes and how to's, um, that's part of it. But I would say a much larger part is the entertainment and education of the day-to-day -day grind that all of us go through, whether it's through behind the scenes or on location, you know, episodes or docu-series that we're going to create um, to just put our platform and put our, our niche and what we all do in the world of food out there for everybody, whether you're a barbecue lover or not. Well, I mean, I've, I've been saying even before I knew about the, the whole Ember streaming service that y'all were going to do that, that you know, eventually DirecTV and Dish Network, you can get apps now like Paramount Plus. You know, they were so pushing that when Yellowstone was on TV, right? Yep. yep. I looked at my wife and I said, I'm not the smartest person, but you can just about figure five to ten years from now, everything is going to be a la carte. And yep. for so for somebody like me that's into the smoking and grilling and hearing about Embers TV, it's an easy thing for me. Yeah, I want to. That's in my niche. I want to subscribe it. I want to look at it. Uh, you know, stuff like that. So we're. Uh, I know I hadn't subscribed yet. I need to uh, because all that kind of interests me. I see all y'all on TikTok, and I don't hit the social media probably nowhere near as hard as I need to. But we're so engaged in the business end of it now. It's hard for us to go film every single day. We just can't do yep. it. Yeah. Well, and that's the other thing, Heath, and, and man, let, let this be a formal invitation because uh, the, one of the best parts of being involved with Embers TV and being one of the founders is the ability to spread the knowledge and the experience and the talents of anyone and everyone that we have relationships with you know, and why can't we do a Heath Riles series brought to you by Embers TV, you know, um, and, and tell your story and how you got into it and some of your special dishes, specialty comp dishes. We could do a comp cooking series. We could do a comp masterclass with Heath, with Heath Riles brought to you by Embers TV, right? I mean, there's that sounds just... really cool. There's just endless opportunity. This isn't, you know, just about us and putting us on TV. This is about putting our entire barbecue community out there for everyone and being able to bring someone like you onto Embers and shoot a whole series with you to make people better and more knowledgeable about competition barbecue. Um, you know, what's the difference between what's the difference between comp ribs and ribs that you're serving? for a backyard barbecue, right? You could spend a whole episode covering that and you'd have people locked in, right? Cause we know what happens when you make a comment about that on social media, you know? 
So to educate people like that, I've talked to Tucker, uh, the winner of Next Level Chef Season 2. Um, we could do a, a Next Level Barbecue with Tucker Riccio, winner of Next Level Chef, brought to you by Embers TV, where she takes our barbecue dishes and she's teaching us how to level up. She's teaching me how to plate you know, some beautiful barbecue. She's still, there's, it's just endless opportunities to bring people in and expose them and grow their brand and grow this entire thing that we all have going on that we know we're blessed for. So why not share it? You know? Well, man, that's awesome. Y'all are actually putting something like that together. We, and like I said before, we didn't know anything about it. We've actually been, uh, we have a family farm. And so we're in the middle of building a, um, I guess you could call it a huge barn dominium that's going to have a film film kitchen in it. And uh, <laughs> look at her shaking her that. head. And so she like yeah, that it's kind of turned into more and more and more. So uh, once uh, we get that built, maybe it's an opportunity for to bring all the guys out and and stay. And we're going to have, I think it's going to be about a a, a forty by forty uh, grilling area set up. And I'm even going to install some brick pits, old school, uh, is my plan. And we've got, I don't know, I own about 40 grills myself. So <laughs> I, plan on, I plan on really, uh, you know, displaying all that. And uh, we're all in the, we love bourbon and stuff like that. I have a bourbon collection, so we're going to put in a full bar. And I plan on putting in a podcast area. So when I invite somebody up, we're going to be able to really cook dishes, talk and enjoy it shoot that video and then immediately sit down and shoot a podcast about it and really talk about the food you ate and everything like that and then you know being out in the outdoors is that we actually own 185 acres so uh, just to be able to carry people out and do more farm to table experiences and uh and you know just in the woods cooking and live fire like you said we all see where the this is going and so that's kind of our that's our demise of where we're kind of pushing ourselves into that segment as well uh, but just be able to host those events and bring creators out and different ones on TikTok and YouTube and whatever. And we network and we're friends with so many different barbecue personalities. I just think hosting yep. some kind of event uh, would be really cool once a year. You know what I mean? Whether it's a big, you know, whole hog bash and cook a hog and everybody comes out and, you know, we film content for maybe a couple of days and, uh, and run – around I think that would just be something totally different that a lot of people would would love to be involved with I mean I'll tell you one thing Heath that, that hasn't been done um, on a consistent basis there's there's certainly meetups and get-togethers of different food and barbecue um, accounts and, and personalities and stuff like that that happens right um, in places like Key West in places like the Windy City Smokeout but you know think of like, man, you see all these social media, like, content houses, right, of just these kids doing wacky stuff and whatever. Like, how about a barbecue content house? Like, or or a barbecue content event where we come out once a year to your location and Embers comes out and we vlog the whole thing. Mm -hmm. You know, we vlog it. We post it as episodes um, on the platform. And it's just, it really is an incredible opportunity. And, you know, I, I understand because of how, because of how saturated social media is and how saturated all these platforms are, 
it's very easy for people to see something that, like what we're doing with embers and instantly just think how's it different than youtube how's it different than than tiktok i can get all the same stuff no you can't like that's and that's what we're going to prove over the course of the next year as we continue building out as we continue making these relationships and connections with other other barbecue people and personalities and professionals and involving everyone um, like it's never been done before. So that's what I'm most excited about. Um, you know, so yeah, it's just, it's a blessing to be involved and to be involved with the, with the group that we are, uh, involved with is, is crazy. And they they couldn't be more excited too. So, you know, yeah, you, you've got the official invite. So we should, uh, you know, we'll have to hop on a call and break it down. But at some point in this next year, I'm yeah. seeing like a, a comp, a comp masterclass on embers. Yeah, man, we can definitely do something like that. That would be totally awesome. So you also, don't you have some products that you work with, some barbecue rubs? Do y'all have y'all's own products now? Yeah, so myself uh, myself and Carlos, uh, Smoke and Vine, we are uh, owners along with our buddy Travis, um, who's located out there in Cali with Carlos, uh, owners of Rub City. Um, Rub City Barbecue. So we have about nine different seasonings on tap right now. We have a few more that we're hoping to launch um, probably winter, spring, um, heading into summer next year. Uh, so, yeah, that's been going great. I think we've been got almost two years in business now. Um, so Rub City is something along with a lot of other uh, creator seasonings and rubs you'll see on embers. Um so that's just been a cool experience being able to go through that entire, you know, process of building your own flavors, which you, you know, well, um, and kind of testing and getting those little packets sent to your house, trying them out, sending them back, you know, rebuilding flavors and adding and taking things out. It's been a really cool process to be involved in. Um, so, you know, we're just going to keep hammering with that. It's, uh, it's a big market. You know, obviously, and dealing with heavy hitters, but I think there's, you know, there's plenty to go around, and uh, you know, I think we've that that's a pretty proven, uh, proven fact with how many how many are doing really well. Uh, well, we tell everybody the that there's enough space in the segment for everybody, um, yep. especially yep. somebody that's working their brand actively. You know, cooking like y'all are out here on social media, talking about it, out here networking with other people, doing collaborations. That's what it's about because when that season hits somebody's table at home, nine out of ten times they're not just going to be faithful to Heath Riles. They're going to no. reach over here and they're yep. going to combo a Rub City and a Heath Riles or a, yep. you know, a Meat Church or a, or a Cosmo or a How to Barbecue Right, you know, Malcolm Reed. It, it, it's just part of it. I mean, people yep. do that all the time. Um, and we're all fine with that every day uh, because we understand it. And uh, yeah, I think some of the people that don't understand it, that want to just crouch down and be in their own shell, they're the ones that's honestly getting left behind today. Yeah, uh, you're right. You know, and today, I've gotten know, questions, and and I'm sure you have too. You get, you know, God forbid you use someone else's rub. When you own a rub company, you use someone else's seasoning or someone else's rub in a video, and it's like. Whoa, what are you, why are you using that rub? You own your own company. Like, and it's like, yeah. And I love this rub. 
it's a great seasoning. Why wouldn't I use it? And why wouldn't I want to tell you about it? You know, like it's, but that's what we do. That's like, that's the large majority of the barbecue community is, is supportive in that way. And, you know, I think it's cool to be able to educate people in that sense that we're all on the same team at the end of the day. That's exactly. So Rub, Rub City has been great, um, you know, along with Embers. And then uh, I'm also part, a lot of the work that I've done from a barbecue catering business, you know, my business in 2018 was started really on the back of charitable work and giving back to the community that I teach in, um, you know, and doing a lot of work with veterans. So I've done Army, Navy tailgates with a group called uh, Team Foster out here in Philadelphia. Um, they raise money for service dogs for vets that are in need. Um, you know, the average service dog for a veteran who needs it is, is upwards of $30,000 for one, one, one dog for the training and, and, and all that. So it's a big ticket. So they do a great job of getting, um, these vets are vets who need it, you know, the support they need in the, in the form of a service dog. So I've been working with them for years now. Uh, so into that, I've, you know, support as many and all veteran businesses that I can. So, um, I'm partnered, uh, part owner of a company called battle tested barbecue. Um, I've used it on my page, local guy here that I've gotten to be friends with over the last several years and, uh, you know, veteran owned, uh, barbecue sauce business and, uh, you know, just kind of pushing that and every bottle helps a veteran. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, that's, that's what I hope to continue to do with this is, you know, put that word out there and support our vets. And my dad and my younger, my dad and my older brother, are both army vets. So, uh, any chance I get to work with a company or support a company, uh, with that goal in mind, I'm like front of the line. Well, I think that's awesome, man, that you do that because we, we're kind of in the same way. We have a lot of veteran friends that we support and small business owners. It's always good to give back. I wish more people thought that way. Yep. Sure. So tell everybody where they can find you at and, uh, you know, reach out to you. They want to get in touch with you and follow more and buy some of that Rub City rub. For sure. You can find me everywhere on every platform uh, that's known to man now from Snapchat to YouTube to Facebook to Instagram uh, at, at Grork Boys Barbecue. Um, RubCity.com. Uh, you can get my uh, Grork Boys Barbecue rubs as well as Rub City uh, Originals, uh, Battle Tested Barbecue um, Sauce. Go check them out. Uh, you can find me streaming on the podcast, on episodes, my, uh, cooking with charcoal episodes are going to be dropping over the course of the next few weeks. And you can go get them, uh, download at your, uh, your, your favorite, uh, device, whether it's your phone or, or tablet or TV at embers TV, um, online on a computer embers.tv. And, uh, yeah, you'll see, you'll see all the heavy hitters out there. You'll get some entertainment, some knowledge, some education, and soon enough, you'll get some Heath Riles. <laughs> That'll work. Well, Matt, I just want to tell you, thank you for everything, for coming on the show and everything. Uh, it was really great talking to you and learning more about your experiences with social media and coming up through Next Level Chef. I think it's pretty awesome that you're even still a school teacher. 
especially at this day and time. You know, I'm sure some of these kids can get a little control out of control, but it seems <laughs> like it's really cool that you're getting to actually teach food now, which is really the, you know, to go from health and, and science, you said, to, to that. That is a, yep. a major shift, but it seems like it's so cool to be able to do that now. Yeah, I'm blessed for the opportunity. Look, health and phys ed was was always my passion. It was my career for two decades. But these kids don't want to move anymore, Heath. They don't want to run. They don't want to be active. They just want to, you know, sit and play video games and, you know, stare at their phone, which is fine. I can't knock anybody for that. My, like, whole career is on my phone. But at the same time, uh, you know, being in the kitchen and teaching culinary, these kids love to eat. So, and a lot of them want to know how to cook. They really do. So if I can bring some of these kids back into the kitchen and cooking, uh, it'll be, it'll be mission, mission accomplished, you know? So yeah, I couldn't be happier to do it. Good deal. Well, thanks a lot for coming on today, Matt. And if you ever got any questions or need any help, be sure to give us a shout. You know, we're always here to help and shoot the cue. You know what? I appreciate you, Heath. You've been an inspiration, man. And, uh, yeah, can't wait to meet you all in person. Sounds good, Matt. Thank you, buddy. You got it. Thank you for tuning in to the Shooting the Cue podcast. If you have any comments or suggestions for future episodes, please feel free to reach out to us on our social media channels or through our website. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platform. Leave us a review if you enjoyed the show. Until next time, keep shooting the cue.